Welcome to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast, and this is episode three of 20 Questions with Christian apologist and author Matthew Mitchell. I will apologize beforehand as we had numerous technical difficulties during the recording, so every now and then you'll hear a short beep, which is where I've had to splice audio together to make the podcast fit. Apologies, but enjoy. Hello, this is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. I hope you're having a great day, and welcome to the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Uh, my name is Damien, and it is my absolute pleasure to have with me a longtime friend, Matt. Matt, good morning from Australia. Good morning, Damien. Thanks for having me on your channel. You're more than welcome, uh, Matt. For those who may not know you, uh, please tell please tell please tell everyone a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Thanks. My name is Matt Mitchell. I am married, two kids. I've been married uh, 23 years, blessed beyond belief with a wonderful wife. My mm -hmm. two children are both in college, mm -hmm. and I spend my online activities blogging at apologetai.com. Yep. I worship at a Presbyterian church, a local mm -hmm. Presbyterian church here. Yep. And uh, I'm just happy to. Uh, have me play this 20 questions game that you've got going. not game, but uh, conversation that you've got going. <laughs> I, I will accept game. It's, um, it's good. Cause I, I, I ask people, do you want to play 20 questions and you play games? No, I'm, I'm fine with that. Now. Thank you, Matt. Um, I said, I, I've come, I've known you online for a while and you know, we, um, I think the, the Ralph Wolf, Sam sheepdog analogy, uh, applies, um, you, you, you can be Sam Sheepdog. I'll be Ralph Wolf because the bad guy gets the more interesting stories. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So welcome to 20 questions. Uh, it'll be 20 sets of questions, including a lightning round with, uh, with a discussion afterwards. Uh, you'll get up to two minutes per question and one extra minute if you're really getting into your answer. Uh, I will not interfere or challenge your answers, though I may ask supplemental questions to elicit more information or sometimes even play devil's advocate, and maybe this instance literally. Uh, please don't ask the same questions back to me because you are the guest. The last five questions will be on religion. Uh, for these, I will relax the timer. Matthew Mitchell, are you ready? I'm ready. Your time starts after I ask this first question. Where on the political spectrum do you sit? Or which political party do you closest identify with and why? Go. Probably closest would be a libertarian. Okay. I typically vote on the Republican side of things, but mm -hmm. I view both in my country, the two-party system, the Republicans and Democrats seemingly have the same agenda simply just to re retain power. And while I like the way many of the Republicans who represent me vote, mm -hmm. 
I would not hesitate for a minute to believe that they would stab me in the face just to keep their power. <laughs> so really? Wow. Okay. That's... Yeah. I think, I think it has become very corrupted with just a power uh, as the elite. Okay. And so while I appreciate uh, the libertarian side, my theology is starting to change the way I even think about that because. Okay. In, in, that, in that case, Matt, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, when, who who was the last great president in your opinion? Oh my goodness. Maybe probably Ronald Reagan. Really? I do like a lot of the I do That's... like a lot of the things that Trump did, but again, mm -hmm. they they they've in the last century most of them have all worked to increase the power and size of government, which mm -hmm. I very much disagree with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think the United States missed a huge opportunity to get a true statesman in Ron Paul. Uh, he is really? a guy I really worked for the only uh, 20 political seconds candidate mm -hmm. I ever donated actual money to was really? Ron Paul. Okay. So, so, and so, so what is it about Ron Paul that, you know, makes you, makes you like him? He didn't seem to be swayed by the power grab of Washington. Okay. He and had his own views. Oh, okay. Time is, time is up. That's a very thoughtful and well-considered answer. Thank you very much, Matt. Oh, I forgot to mention that uh, I will play a, I'll give you a 45 second warning when you've used up one minute, 15 of your time, which means you have 45 seconds left. So if you hear me say 45 seconds, that means you've got 45 seconds left. Very good. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, second question. Uh, has immigration been good or bad for your country? That's a pretty broad question. I think there have been times when it has been very good. Mm -hmm. uh, more recently, I think because of the way that our culture has become less cohesive, that continuing to break apart some of the foundational structure of our country, immigration does not uh, add to... The, the way the culture has been, it, it just further dilutes the culture that has always been here. Okay. So, so, you, so are you saying that there then is a definite American culture? I do think there's an American culture. Okay. I think, well, yeah. Go ahead. So what, what would that American culture be? Well, the idea of uh, independence, mm -hmm. being able to uh, enjoy the freedoms that are, protected by our constitution, mm -hmm. uh, the idea of small and limited government being able to, there's no caste system. So if I'm born in, you know, my parents were, had one particular job or career, I'm not uh, bound by 45. faith or the country or the system to remain in that caste or system. Okay. But there's, yep. an there's an independent to, uh, branch out and be uh, a leader or create my own business. And those things uh, are becoming less and less available. I think the more that uh, the immigration has diluted that, that culture, okay. I think. But is that more to do with immigration or multiculturalism per se? Because you, you can bring the people in, but then isn't, it isn't uh, how we integrate the remit of multiculturalism rather than in, rather than immigration per se. Well, I think they're related. If you if you don't have immigration, I'll give you an extra then the, Keep going. Yep. 
multiculturalism doesn't I keep using the word dilute. I'm trying to think of it. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I kind of get where you're coming from, but no, I would like just 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 get your thoughts on the matter and yeah, expand out what you think and why you think it and all, all the kind so of stuff. So I think I think there was a time when the immigrants came in and they adopted the culture here. They they spoke the language, yep. they did not bring with them some of the same ideas and uh, the patriotism from their former country and now we find here uh people the immigrants who have come in remain uh committed and patriotic towards their former country and want to bring their ideas rather than wanting to learn the language and learn the the culture and uh it they're bringing with them their country rather than adopting what was what is the country here okay very 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 interesting thoughts and your timer is Thank you very much, Matt. Question three. What were you doing five years ago? As I mentioned to you earlier, I've listened to your 20 questions from your other guests. And so <laughs> the other guests were amazing guests you you brought. I think the guy before had um, was running multi-million uh, dollar <laughs> international businesses. And so I thought about this question. What would I say? Well, five years ago, you, I had you, recently you, hmm? become... Uh, certified to be a part-time personal trainer. And so that nice. was a big thing for me. Uh, I what, thought about what are some, what are so some what, of my other accomplishments? Go ahead. So what made you want to do personal training? That's a great story. It may take longer than a minute, but I'll give yeah, you yeah, the uh, shortened version. Go first. So I haven't always enjoyed working out and exercising. Mm-hmm. And so I took a couple hours a day to break free and go do that. And mm-hmm. as my kids approach college age, I thought, how can I try to supplement my income to help keep us uh, funded for the things we enjoy and help my kids get to college. And so I started tinkering around with how to use those two hours rather than on personal, you know, fitness for myself to take those two hours a day and apply them towards a, uh, something that made a little money. And personal training was the thing that uh, seemed to fit well in that niche. I enjoyed mm-hmm. being around those things. I understood very well, uh, biomechanics and how things ought to work to help mm-hmm. people increase their athletic performance, gain or lose weight. And so that has turned out to be a, a real good thing for me. I enjoyed it. Nice. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds, that sounds awesome. Okay. Uh, what were you doing 10 years ago? So 10 years ago, my wife and I, this is really just kind of a story. And no, I'll tell, tell, tell me. <laughs> uh, my wife and I served as volunteer youth ministers at our mm-hmm. church. Yep. So I was uh, weekly, several times a week, uh, working with teenagers and teaching classes. Mm-hmm. And uh, t- ten, year go- 10 years ago specifically, we, uh, I was in charge of leading our mission trip to Mexico. We partnered with a ministry in Mexico. Right? It's, a, it's a United States-based ministry that works with in Mexico called mm-hmm. Amor Ministries. Yep. And I was in charge of coordinating, planning, and executing the trip with 25 teenagers to Mexico and back. And it was, uh, it was a good experience. Especially when the car got sick. <laughs> you remember that story. Okay. <laughs> I, I do. I do. That was, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, cool. All right. Um, and 20 years ago, your kids would have been very young as well. Uh, 20 years ago, we were just pregnant with our second child. We had one 
were pregnant with our second. Nice. Yeah, we had uh, we had uh, uh, Jessica would have been two at that time, I guess. So okay, well, that's very yeah. Twenty years ago, we were just newly married, and mm-hmm. uh, all right. Uh, thank you for that answer, Matt. Um, you. I was just about to say to you before the yeah before the call went uh, call went bad. Um, you don't have to be uh, like a wealth manager to have an to have an interesting story. Sometimes what you think is average is is mind blowing for someone else, and I, I I was I was greatly impressed by that. So thank you very much for sharing more about your life, Matt. Okay, next question is uh, describe your ideal job, or what what would you change about your current job to make it the ideal job? Great question. And that has changed through time. At one point, mm-hmm. you know, when you're a kid, I wanted to be uh, a police officer. And then uh, one time I wanted to be a fighter pilot in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I wanted to be a professional soccer player. And now I really enjoy my job. I okay. don't have great aspirations for something beyond uh, what I'm currently doing. I'm in information technology. Mm-hmm. I get to work from home. Uh, my my job has the right amount of responsibility where I can leave my job at work yep. and I'm not carrying the burdens around with me during the evening or in the morning or at other times of the day. So uh, it is the job that uh, I might not have picked earlier on, but as I go through life now, it is exactly where I want to be. Okay. So so being a full-time apologist uh, hasn't quite tickled, tickled the fancy? It definitely, you know, as the seasons of life change, that mm-hmm. would be very interesting to me. I would enjoy that. I would enjoy being a school teacher. I really have uh, interest in teaching people. Forty-five seconds. And so, as the seasons of life turn to different times, mm-hmm. sure, being a being a full-time teacher or apologist or uh, maybe a full-time vacationer with my wife would be fun too, getting an RV and hit the road. But oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's not really a job though, is it? No, no. But if, <laughs> if, if, if it pays the bills, then, then yes. Uh, okay. There's a country song that's uh, if I can make a living out of loving you, well, there, there's a, I don't know if y'all have country music in Australia, but that's a, that'd be a good one with my, me and my wife and I just travel in the country. Nice. That sounds good. Okay. Uh, question number five is describe your most gruesome and or painful injury. I had several big injuries, but none of them were just super painful. I, uh, about three years ago, I had a pulmonary embolism where a blood clot got into my lungs oh. and it was very serious, but it wasn't particularly painful. Okay. Uh, before that, I tore the meniscus in my knee, and that was probably the most painful I had. Okay. But it was uh, probably a pretty minor injury compared by comparison. Okay. Uh, how, how did you tear your meniscus? It's embarrassing. You're not going to make me tell that, are you? I'm not going to make you, but feel oh, free. Okay. Feel, feel free to volunteer as much information as you like. All right. So I feel like I've done pretty well playing soccer in my life i was mm-hmm. you know excelled i've had a scholarship to play soccer in college i even got to play a semi-pro soccer game and Ooh. i've played all kinds of sports but i tore my meniscus jumping rope by myself it was it's, it's kind of embarrassing so oh dear this, nobody's going to listen to this are they uh pro- probably three people you know okay they, 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 there's no sponsors yet but you never know yeah, down, down the line <laughs> No, okay. So you've actually had a you haven't broken bones, you haven't broken, you know, 
separate your shoulders or, you know, you're hitting the head with metal poles and bled, bled out with stitches and stuff? I have broken the same bone in both wrists. That's kind of odd. Okay. Uh, I had a screw put in one and two pins put in the other. Uh, those were painful, but not not on the order of that meniscus tear. That was just a really yucky injury. And I have had some concussions, but again, they weren't oh, so much painful as much as uh, I woke up somewhere else. Oh, really? Okay, that's um. No, yeah. I've, had, I've I've had a couple of concussions. I was uh, conscious through it, but then like the next day, the next day is when it is is, is when it hits you. But yeah, I don't know. Thank you, Matt. Uh, your timer is about to run out, so I'm going to reset that and go into question number six. Describe your thoughts on the possibility of extraterrestrial life. So I am skeptical, highly skeptical that there mm-hmm. are extraterrestrial life. Okay. But uh, do, do you think it is in any way like, uh, like not, statist- not statistically insignificant, but do you think there's a chance that there is extraterrestrial life out there in the, in the vast expanse that is our universe? If there is, it would be, uh, in accordance with my theology, sure. not that they uh, evolved somewhere else, but they would be a created uh, extraterrestrial somewhere else and probably on the order of plants or okay. lower life forms, Not nothing intelligent that would be bound by the curse of sin that was caused by the humankind, Adam and his offspring. Okay, because like, so I take that your theology does inform your opinion, which is which is fair enough. Um, but what's not to say that because the way I read the scriptures is that Adam's sin then cursed everything. So why mm-hmm. not? Why wouldn't that everything include extraterrestrial life? And then like, let, let's say, and, and then let's say there's a Bible written for let's say Martians. Uh, why not in that Bible? Ah, oh, the the sin of a person on Earth on this other planet has affected you. Like, mm-hmm. is that a possibility, you know, a far-fetched possibility, but is that a possibility in your theology? So, again, that would be guided by my understanding of the Bible mm-hmm. uh, yep. in that uh, if since Adam sinned and his sin actually affected all of creation, we read that in Romans 8, that creation groans in its, uh, its, its captivity to decay. Yep. Uh, so, but if a... And Adam's offspring, because Jesus came through the line of Adam, mm-hmm. then those who are in the line of Adam are able to be redeemed because he is a kinsman oh, redeemer. Okay, yep. But an alien, an intelligent alien somewhere else would not be in the line of Adam and would not be eligible to be under the blood of Jesus because of they, are not, they would not be eligible under the kinsman redeemer. Mm-hmm. God's rule, God's creation, God's rules. So okay. but uh, that's the theology behind it. Okay. So then what's not to say that there's a separate uh, system set up for um, another, another, another planet somewhere? So let's say the Bible is written for so, – so God wrote the Bible for us humans, but what's not to say that there's another sin-curse system that requires a, a separate sacrifice somewhere else? Well, there was only one sacrifice. The, the epistles also tell us that Jesus died only once mm-hmm. for sin. Okay. So there wouldn't, there is not another eligible uh, person who could handle the sacrifice for sin other than Jesus. Okay. And he only died once. 
So it is an awesome idea that there would be aliens. I love science fiction. I think it's great mm -hmm. to uh, watch the movies and things like that. But because of the way that uh, God has revealed himself in his word, I do not. I am highly skeptical of any kind of intelligent life okay. elsewhere. No, no, thank you. Thank you for that very considered answer, Matt. Thank you. Uh, which will lead, lead me to question seven. And I think, I think I've already touched on it here. T tell me a, a comically bad or tragic holiday experience. Go. I don't have one, but in accordance with the story I told you earlier, I have a comically tragic story on that mission trip. Uh, please, please to, for, for the benefit of, um, uh, of everyone listening, please, please go, go into more detail about that tragic holiday experience. <laughs> so the format of the trip was to go and work for five days building homes. And mm -hmm. we, we were very successful. We had a guy with us who his job was to, he's a construction. And so we, we were able to finish three houses. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, praise God. But in the last day, we were going to go and have a celebration day, just relax and go to a nice restaurant there mm -hmm. uh, in uh, Cuidad Juarez. And yep. we had it all picked out and I was in charge and I had a guy who was helping me with the translation. And here in the States, when you go to a restaurant, things are... Uh, refills for drinks or norm or part of the included cost. And yep, yep. I went with that assumption and I asked my translator, Hey, is this an assumption we can make with the Mexican restaurants? And the uh, staff assured him that that was part of the cost. And so it. we were very liberal with our <laughs> drink. And uh, I see where this is going. The, yep. the, the dip and the guacamole and the, every uh, bowl of chips and every uh, cup of guacamole and salsa. Yep. Well, they were all individually priced. And so oh, oh, no. being 30 seconds, raised yep. Americans, when we got the bill, it caused me to nearly bring that Mex that wonderful Mexican food back up. I was, was oh. just sickened by looking at the number because it was about three times our budgeted uh, amount oh. for that meal. Wow. And so, the the comedy of it is looking back on it now, but the tragic part of it was living through it at the time. And I'm, yes. I'm <laughs> thankful okay. that that didn't end my career as a volunteer youth minister. No, that's that's good to know. Good to know. Thank you, thank you very much. All right, things have I, gone scrambled again. I hope you were able to hear me, but I'm gonna reconnect because I can't hear you at all. Uh, question eight: uh, Lame claim to fame. Either name the most obscure celebrity you've encountered or name a celebrity who was a distant relative. When I was 22, many, many, many years ago, uh, my brother and I were going to go skiing in Colorado and we were at the airport and my youngest brother, who was not old enough to go with us, was, the three of us were there, and we are huge soccer fans. And this was just after uh, the United States had hosted the World Cup for the first time. Okay, yep, yep. And, uh, so soccer fever was really, we, we all three of us brothers had it pretty badly. And we're waiting in the airport to get on the airplane, and... Uh, soccer player walked through the airport named Eric Winalda. Most people don't know who that is, but the, for no. the three of us, it was a big deal. And so we ran up to him and said, Eric Winalda, this was so exciting. And 
uh, got them to sign uh, our tickets or something. This was before the days of cell phones where we could take selfies with them and yep, all that. Yep, yep. That is a very small claim to fame uh, on meeting because Eric Fanelda. Okay. All three of your audience members are like, I don't know who that is. Yeah, no, exactly. But we were super excited. And even further back, I yes. did actually shake the hand of Ronald Reagan when wow. uh, I was a, a small child. We got to go to the front of the line when he was doing a campaign stop before he was president. Really? And, That's just yeah. going back a while. Okay. Take his hand. That was a neat deal. No worries. Uh, and the second part of the question, name a famous person who has interacted with you on social media. James White actually follows me. That's kind of cool. James James Dr. White being? Dr. James White, uh, Apologia Church. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the better known apologists and preachers out there, but nobody else. <laughs> no big claim to fame. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, you two minutes are up there, so thank you very much, Matt. And is now time Matt for Delahunte blocked me. Is that something? Well, he well, that's that's an intro. That's an is interaction. He, is of he sorts. famous? Uh, is he famous uh, in the atheist world? Yes. So I'll, I'll grant you that one. Matt, Matt Delahunte has blocked you. <laughs> no, fair enough. Okay, it's time for the lightning round. Yay! Okay, so I'm going to ask you a series of either or uh, either or questions. You give me, you, you tell me you, you prefer either the first one or the second one, and I will go. If you don't know or if you're not familiar with pop culture, you just say I don't know. That's that's all fine. Okay, Matt Mitchell, your time starts now. Tea or coffee? Oh, we're going to have to start over. <laughs> it scrambled right when you started the timer. <laughs> Hello. All right, I'm going to reconnect. Now. Uh, Matt Mitchell, your time starts now. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Okay. Pizza or lasagna? Pizza. Apple or Samsung? Apple. Ebook or actual book? Actual book. Sneakers or sandals? Sneakers. Christopher Hitchens or Richard Dawkins? Richard Dawkins. William Lane Craig or Frank Turek? Frank Turek. William Dembski or Michael Behe? Mm. Boy, I like both those guys. William Dembski. Okay. Uh, Taylor Swift or Billie Eilish? I don't know who the second one is. No worries. Uh, Jars of Clay or DC Talk? DC Talk. <laughs> oh, you are an 80s kid. Uh, Striper, <laughs> Striper or Under Oath? Striper. You are definitely an 80s kid. Uh, Justin Bieber or Michael Bublé? I don't know who the second one is. Okay. Uh, Alice Cooper or Marilyn Manson? Alice Cooper. 80s kid. Uh, baseball or basketball? <laughs> Guest baseball since basketball is cheating. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, golf or For tennis? a soccer player. Okay. For a soccer player, basketball is using your hands. It's all cheating. Okay, go ahead. Uh, uh, go golf, golf or tennis? Tennis. tennis. Okay, uh, gridiron versus ice hockey. Gridiron. Okay, okay, interesting. Uh, McDonald's or Kentucky Fried Chicken? Kentucky Fried Chicken. Burger King or Subway? Subway. Narnia or Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. Okay, uh, Dora and Boots or Diego and Baby Jaguar? I n no opinion. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> mixed martial arts or professional wrestling? MMA. Okay. Uh, luxury seven-seater seven seater people mover 
or sports coupe? Sports. Sports coupe, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so in, in, in English, we say coupe, but so I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that one. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you very much. That has finished your lightning round. Thank you. Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, that leads us on to question 10. If one of your favourite bands or artists called you up on stage to play with them, what band would it be? What instrument are you playing? And what song is it that you're playing with them? Sadly, I have no musical abilities, but my favourite band, Skillet, would call me up to play lead guitar. Okay, and what song is it that you're playing that you're playing with them? Monster, for sure. I, okay, like it. Fair enough. Uh, no other, no other musical fantasies you got there. <laughs> I don't. You know, as a youngster, I did play uh, music a little bit. My mom forced us to all learn an instrument, and I could read mm-hmm. music at one point, but. Really? It was never interesting to me. And over the course of time, I lost the ability to mm-hmm. read music and to, yeah, I didn't have, it, it wasn't uh, super exciting for me. So I do lo- enjoy listening to music mm-hmm. and I can yep. appreciate good music, mm-hmm. but uh, can't play it. Okay. So what, what in, what in the Mitchell household is good music? Different between all of us. I mm-hmm. prefer 80s music, as you can probably infer. Striper, mm-hmm. uh, some of the hard hard rock music, and some of the current stuff that I like. It was mostly going to be Christian Skillet and Red yep. and Thousand Foot Crutch and uh, yep, yep, yep. some of those guys. I mm-hmm. like them. Uh, my kids both like country. and uh, A funny story about that, if we have time. Uh, of course. My son used to really make fun of my 80s playlist. 80s hairband playlist and now i have found when he goes to work out his 80s playlist for working out looks pretty similar to oh you you've you've raised him well (laughs) i I was i was gonna say that the other ironic thing is it's usually the parents who are into country and western and it's the kids who are into the into the hair metal but in your case it's the other way around so no thank you thank you it's that's quite interesting which leads us to question 11 what conspiracy theory or theories do you think are either wholly true or have enough elements of truth to warrant questioning the official narrative? I think there's a lot of things that are at least worthy of further skepticism. Sure. Would you, would you like to name some? The big one of today is this recent election in the United States. There's a lot of talk and so i'm highly skeptical of the official story mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. i'm i'm not uh going to go out on a limb like uh, trump has done saying it was stolen and yep. you know he staked his entire reputation on it i don't have a reputation but i'm at least skeptical of the official story there, okay. there's a there's a there's enough to make me question uh there's a lot of uh, the official stories that i am questioning and skeptical of. And I think it's fair to do that. We ought not to necessarily trust those who have great power over us and mm-hmm. uh, benefit from our compliance in said official story. Okay. That's, that, that's interesting. So to, to play devil's advocate, to play devil's advocate sure. here, the fact that numerous courts have investigated the issues uh, the issues presented and have uh, wholesale thrown out the cases, does that not dispel 
the conspiracy side of it for you? Well, I think a reasonable reasonable person would realize that there was some shenanigans. Mm-hmm. I think everybody says there were shenanigans. Mm-hmm. The conspiracy theory or the uh, the the difference is where how big of a shenanigan was it? Yep. yep. And so when you say that all the courts have thrown everything out, uh, that's somewhat true. Mm-hmm. But I think the bigger story of that is that most of those, in fact, I think 90 something percent of those were thrown out by standing and not because the evidence was measured, weighed and found wanting. Uh, my take on that. Okay. Oh, fair enough. That's a, thank you for your considered viewpoint there. Okay. Which will lead me to question 12. If you had the ear of your president or governor, what single one and only one rule, policy, or law, would you want them to change right there and then? I heard the uh, guy he had two on two before say abortion, and I am totally on board with that. So okay. if he gets the ear of the governor, I would mm-hmm. let him do the abortion rule, yep. and then mine would be uh, term limits. Uh, I think term limits have allowed for the Congress people, the congressmen, to gain little fiefdoms of power such that uh, they no longer desire to represent the people, but to retain their power. Okay. So, so you, term so limits are you saying, alleviate so that. Are you saying to uh, apply term limits or get rid of them? Oh, there are no term limits for American congressmen. There is only a term limit for, for the, the president. president. Real, ah, and okay, yep, yep. No, I see we're going for that. We yep. just went scrambled again. I'm going to have to reconnect. The Zoom, the, the, the meeting went scrambled at the end, but from my understanding that you would uh, want to impose term, term limits on Congress Congress people. Correct. Okay. Uh, that uh, The previous episode of 20 Questions was uh, Lewis Ungit uh, at I Am Ungit, and, yeah, he's a... Uh, he he's as a uh, staunchly against abortion as as you are, which makes you both peas in a pod. Uh, now, which will lead me to the next question. Question thirteen: What stereotypes of your culture are sadly true? Oof. I think probably the. What's the other word? I'm like uh, pride, audacity of being an American. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a there's an entitlement. I think uh, you've traveled overseas. I think pretty broadly and understand that people need to be thoughtful of other countries. And I think a stereotype for Americans is that when we travel overseas, we kind of expect everybody to cater to us. Ah, okay. And yeah. a tourist mentality wherever we go. You treat me like uh, <laughs> like an American. See, that's just. I think that's a, a probably a sad but true stereotype. Okay, all right. That's uh, <clears throat> that's interesting. Uh, what have you noticed that has caused you to believe that to be true? Like, what what examples or what what is it that's really hit home for you to say, yeah, that's? Oh, it may just be a general understanding of uh, mm-hmm. movies or yeah. Uh, gearing stories i don't have a particular no sir uh 
personal experience with it, but my understanding is that's probably the case. I only speak one language. I tried to learn Spanish and have little bits of it here and there, mm-hmm. but I know if I were to travel to Spain and was try to interact with people there, they would probably be kind to me. But yeah. I think trying to communicate, it would be it would be more difficult for me than someone, a European or someone who has traveled or who understands, I think, a broader context of the world would come to America and try to speak English and not expect me to cater to their French or their German or whatever. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, Matt. Uh, I'll, this, this will lead to question 14, which is the ethical dilemma question. Okay. So this is a little bit long, so please bear with me. The question, the question is 10 members of your church community have become infected with a virus that up until now has no cure. However, a brilliant chemist has created a 100% effective antidote, but is charging a thousand times his operating cost to let you have it. You manage to raise half of the requested funds, but the chemist refuses your half now, half later deal. You have a gun and know where the antidote is kept, but he also has a gun. What would you do? And why wouldn't you perform any of any of the alternatives? Go. Wow, that's a good question. Thank you. It would not be correct. <laughs> I would not try to take it, take okay. take his uh, steal, his formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a, being a capitalist, I would hope that if no one was able to buy his supply at his current demand of price, that mm-hmm. the price would eventually have to come down for him to make anything. If he's going to, if he's going to force uh, everyone to pay his exorbitant price and no one could do it, then his supply really has no uh, help to himself unless okay. the, you know, the demand can be, you know, unless it can meet the demand at its cost. That's kind of a, the, the, I think the question is intended to determine whether I would steal or uh, use force. Use force, yeah, to use force to get something that would be beneficial to others. Mm, and yes. in this case, I would not use force to be beneficial. Okay. Despite the potential that your your community, some some of these people with the in your community, may may die. Is that uh, would, would would that consideration then change your change your outlook? If you don't get the the antidote, either some or all of these people in your community will die of the virus. Uh, very sad, and uh, it is similar to the question of abortion. You know, I do believe that children in the womb are people and abortions happen in my state. And yet to protect those children who are being killed, it's not my place to go and by force or by violence stop mm-hmm. that process. Uh, I would I would hope and continue to pray for and through persuasion and the importance of the hum- the inherent human life, the value yep. that is involved in human life, that people would be uh, motivated to extend human life and to protect it and 
you know, I would try to be persuasive to the person without the use of force. Okay. Oh, that's a very, very reasonable answer. Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, this will lead to question 15. Which futuristic movie scenario is the most likely to come true and why? Oh, we would all hope that it would be George Lucas's Star Wars. We would hope that would be the case. Well, hold on. That, but- <laughs> that, that took place in a galaxy a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Far, far away. That's right. Try, try again. Okay. Try again. Try. Uh, the one that is very likely and even now is being seen is 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Orwell was uh, probably not a prophet or a son of a prophet. And yet he predicted quite clearly yep. what we are seeing in the news today. So science fiction from a hundred years ago is mm-hmm. becoming reality today, sadly. Okay. So would anything like iRobot, Terminator, uh, Blade oh, Runner, oh, oh. You know, would would you do you think any of those have any? Uh... iRobot was good, mm-hmm. but the I think the more likely Will Smith movie would be yeah. I Am Legend. Uh, yeah, that one yeah. is more likely to take place. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, interesting. No, 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 nineteen eighty four does seem to be a common thread across. Um, yeah, people, the other people who've played twenty questions, and um, yeah, it's a very it's part of our cultural zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. I think, and and one that well, I think rightly so. I think we do have to balance, you know, technology the, the benefits the benefits of technology against, uh, you know, the, the invasion of privacy. The um, yeah, the Matrix might be another one that uh, mm-hmm. has some legitimacy. Yep. No, uh, another true. another good one. The movie was uh, I, have, I actually haven't seen the movie, but I read the book. The book was amazing. Uh, Johnny Mnemonic. Are you familiar with that uh, movie yes. or book? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a really good book, and that one has a possibility of uh, having some validity. Okay, interesting. And your timer is about to run out. Okay, so I will hold on. There we go. Okay, thank you very much. Now these last five questions are to do with religion, and I will relax the timer. So question 16, question 16, within a five mile radius of your residence, how many places of worship are there and what religion and what denomination are they? I would guess within a five mile radius, there are 25 to 30 places of worship. Really? So like you are, you're in the Bible Belt, aren't you? You're just nearby the Bible Belt. in the belt buckle of the Bible Belt. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. East Texas, a lot of. A lot of places to worship out here, and most of them are going to be of the Christian persuasion. In fact, the the Protestant the Protestant Christian persuasion. Well, there, there, most of them will be Protestants. There are there's a large Catholic following as well. We've got a couple of Catholic churches within that five mile radius: Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, Lutheran, Quakers. Uh, There. I have not run across a Quaker fellowship. Oh, okay. Because um, Jeffrey Williams. Okay. Okay. Mormons. Do you have Mormons? I don't think so. Do you have snake handlers? I don't think so. No. As crazy, as cra- <laughs> Did as you crazy, want me to get some video? Yeah. Of that? <laughs> as crazy as those guys are, they're, 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 they're fun. They're fun. Okay, so quite a quite a diverse. Do you have any? Do you have any mosques or synagogues or temples in uh, your part no. of the world? No, there's a uh, a place that calls themselves a Baptist temple. 
what has been there? What is a Baptist yeah. temple? Couldn't tell you. Oh, okay. Not familiar with their belief. Okay, fair enough. But do they like just from the face of it? Do they look like they're a like a Christian uh, movement, or are they just tagging onto the name? Uh, that's a good question. My guess is they are probably a splinter group from some of these uh, fundamentalist Baptist churches. Ah, okay. Yep, yep. That have uh, broken off because of whatever, whatever. Uh, I, I, I think a lot of the doctrinal separations from uh, within Christianity are mostly personal, personality related, rather than so much doctrine there is a there are doctrinal differences i don't want, want to say that there's not yep but i think at the uh, the times of the splintering of a lot of these it had to do more with personalities and sadly power mm-hmm. uh and now it has become now and now once those splinters have happened certain dogmas or doctrines become amplified within those splinters that keep them from reuniting interesting that is uh we've gone scrambled again my zoom update Uh, apparently did not fix the issue so i'm going to reconnect okay so i think we got that question in that was a yeah lucky uh, lucky lucky break um, yeah, so I, I've found there was an update for my Zoom, so I've updated that, and uh, fingers fingers crossed. Um, yeah, I, I might put a like a, a a warning at the start of the episode that yeah we had issues, so if things don't sound too uh, too flush, then that's that's why. Um, which will lead me to question seven. Question seventeen: Why do you hold the religious position that you currently do? So my religious position is the one of Orthodox Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we worship at a Presbyterian fellowship, although we don't agree with everything taught probably uh, by any one particular person, but that's not your question. Your question was why? Yes. Why? Why? Well, what, what, what in your life has led you to, you know, to be at the current state that you're at now? The ultimate answer to the why question is because I believe that I'm saved by grace, that Mm -hmm. God called me through no no works of my own, no righteousness of my own, that he revealed himself such that I responded to his grace by repenting. that is a, an ultimate question. So I believe it's because of, because of who God is and what he did, mm-hmm. but that doesn't tell the whole story. I, I think uh, I'm very thankful that I grew up with parents who both uh, are Christians and who taught clearly the, the Bible. It was a part of our household growing up. I spent many days at church listening to, sermons and mm-hmm. when tested or when uh questions and things have been brought into my life for why i believe it wasn't just because well mom and dad said or because such and this and that and the other 
but I've taken the time to investigate and search and make those, make that faith my own. Yep. By, uh, by studying, by being questioned by those both in life and online. Mm-hmm. Why do you believe this? It matches uh, historically. It matches logically. It matches uh, in all measures, metrics of, of measurement. I think the, the Christian worldview answers all of the questions and just makes sense. Okay. I suppose then uh, to play devil's advocate is making sense the, the ultimate arbiter of, of truth. I don't think so. I think because sense can be made, mm-hmm. then what God revealed is corroborated. And that's kind of a funky way of saying it. Uh, yep. The, the, I think the way you asked it, it sounds like does an individual person, are they responsible for uh, choosing what is most, what makes the most sense? And no, so that, that's that's not that's not quite the question I asked. All I'm saying oh, is, okay, that, sorry. If, you know, that's, oh, sorry. I'm I don't if, want to misrepresent you. No, no, no. no. I, I want to draw more out of why you believe what why you do believe. Um, sure. But but to say common <clears throat> sense, um, we know lots of things in life don't make common sense. Why would someone kill another person? Why would you know? Why would my car? Why would my car break down all of a sudden after I just got it serviced? Um, you know, why why does the grass grow so quickly after I just mowed it? There, there are lots of things in 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 life that you know don't make sense. Well, so 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 well, yeah. And then when we try put our own sense on top of it, then we can lead ourselves astray. So, do you think that making sense is the um, is a reliable guide to truth, or do you think it's just one part of a package? I think I think sense would be part of the package, but mm-hmm. for me as a Christian, I believe there is such a thing as absolute truth or ultimate truth okay. upon which things can be measured. Uh, it, the truth is beyond what is represented in particles and motion, uh, physical laws. That truth is beyond that. It is uh, transcendental. As it were, that's a, that's a bit another big word, but because <laughs> yeah. there are transcendentals such as truth and logic, mm-hmm. then it only makes sense that there would be an arbiter of those transcendentals to keep them, to make them uh, logical, to make them the the to make truth. Jesus claimed to be the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that is corroborated again by his his word in the Bible. We, we see over and over again that the truth comes from who God is. And so I think that was what you had asked. To, to a point, to a point. Okay. I'll, we can maybe discuss that in the discussion afterwards, but I'll, I'll run to the next question. Question 18. What one religion, denomination, or religious doctrine makes you see red? Don't say we've gone screen over it again, Matt. No, don't do this to me. I don't know that a particular doctrine does make me angry. Okay. I can't think of something that... 
Well, you know, if, that, well I can strain against the, the, the boundaries, you know, as a, mm-hmm. as a man, sure. It would be wonderful to think of being uh, openly uh, promiscuous and not have any repercussions or boundaries in those things. Well, uh, look, I, it's I, not I, that it's, I think it's wrong or bad. I, I recognize the goodness of, and, and faithfulness that comes from a monogamous and lifelong relationship with my wife. Okay. I think what is more getting at, for example, on apologeto.com, I was reading about an article there, um, the Church of Jesus versus the Church of Woke. Okay. And I'm sure something in that uh, strikes a chord with you where, um, you know, you uh, whoever wrote that article must, must have felt that the modern church is pandering to the progressive left. I think I, I must have misunderstood your question. Okay, so you're asking what things are coming into the church and being taught by Christian people, but that frustrates me. Correct. I see. Yes. I apologize for not understanding your question. Don't be, that's all right, that's all right. Yes, critical race theory is definitely one of those things that I think is a big deal, but I think the, the guest you had a couple of uh, podcasts ago did a yep. really good job answering that. So okay. I'll I'll go ahead and go with uh, old earthism. That one that one seems to really frustrate me and get really? in red. Yeah, I think uh, that has come along uh, into the church as a, a bit of a Trojan horse mm-hmm. and opens up the doors for more and more pro- not progressive policies, but the idea that there are authorities that can be brought into scripture uh the the modern academic paradigm the 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 way things are taught in academics today of uh old earthism the uh, evolution those kind of things when people think that because those are academically viable and academically uh, respected well we ought to see if we can fit those into the bible that's and and so that frustrates me and i think the crt is is a is a cultural or a political authority mm-hmm. that people think oh that sounds like a good idea let's see if we can fit that in the scripture so more than anything it would boil down to the authority of scripture as being our as christians our standard and we don't allow some other authority to come in and be the authority on top of scripture okay. where scripture has to be redefined to accommodate what is academically viable or culturally or political or whatever uh, the modern that modern paradigm is. Okay. So if I can then ask, does that mean you're somewhat of a dominion theologist? I don't know that I understand that term. What is a dominion theology? Okay. So, so dominion theology is basically that the only, um, the best form of government is, is a, is a Christian theocracy. Um, and, and in, and in specific, a fundamentalist Protestant Christian theocracy. Which, which may or may not include the death penalty for uh, for violating Old Testament laws. Oh, no, I'm not interested in having uh, a government that would rule the uh, Old Testament uh, ceremonial laws. I don't mm-hmm. think that's a good idea. Uh, no, I think the best form of government is uh, a monarchy with the eternal monarch Sitting on the throne as <laughs> governor and leaders, well, he's the um, only one who's going to bring proper justice, proper righteousness, 
he's the one who understands it fully and is most holy in his uh, in his actions. So everybody else is going to screw it up somehow. <laughs> I, I heard someone say once that uh, 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 democratic republic is the worst form of government except for all the others. <laughs> That's an interesting way of putting it. Okay. Uh, question 19. If there's one thing you could say to a person who doesn't share your religious belief, that had the magical ability to cut past barriers and convert them on the spot, what would it be and why should it convert them? Okay, Damien, I'm sorry. Can you ask me that one more time? That's all right. If there's one thing you could say to a person who doesn't share your religious belief, that had the magical ability to cut past barriers and convert them on the spot, what would it be and why should it convert them? It would be read the Bible and trust what it says. Mm-hmm. And it should. Uh, but then, then the question should, is why? Why it should convert them. Mm. Again, I'd have to go back to Romans 10, mm-hmm. where it says uh, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word of Christ. So, uh, Jesus revealed to the disciples on the way to Emmaus that all of the scriptures are about him. And so the word of Christ really is captured in God's revelation of the, of the Bible. And so if I trust what it says in Romans 10, that faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ and people read the word of Christ, Mm -hmm. that would be the means that God uses to bring about salvation. So I want people to be saved. I will definitely want them not to pay for their own sins. So good question. Hadn't thought of that before. Well, there you go. Um, And last question before we get into a general, if you're willing, a a general discussion. Last question. No matter how strongly you hold to them, what will be the one thing that would change your religious beliefs? I'm going to give an answer that's probably not very interesting, but uh, I don't think there is something that would have me change my religious beliefs. My ultimate truth source is God. And so, uh, but I suppose, suppose, sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask what would then happen? Let's say one day something, uh, something happened to you that challenged your faith and that gave you good rational reason to, question the the existence of god and the truth of the bible how how then would you reconcile what's just happened to you or this uh, this current thought with uh your your theology so uh, let me let me take that in the way of maybe an example so sure, sure. an example of that might be perhaps if one of my children die mm-hmm. it might cause you know i, I think that's where you're kind of going if the death of a child would would to cause me to question my belief in who God was, mm-hmm. then God wasn't really my source of truth. It was my child. If something else beyond God's and his revelation can change my beliefs, then that would it would follow logically that that thing is truly my God. And if it's, if it has to do with reasoning, you know, if if I can be reasoned out of my belief in God, well then reason is my God or myself. 
And those things are idolatrous. And I don't want to, to fall into that. It would be a huge temptation. It would be very sad if one of my children died or if my wife left me. Or all yeah. the, there are there are any number of sad things that could happen Okay, all right. that um, would hurt. But none of them would, if, if I left the faith because of a sad thing that happened to me, it, then th- that thing was my God, uh, not fair, the true God. Okay, because um, uh, fair enough. There is a, a thought exercise that I've uh, I, I came across uh, years ago when I was uh, you know, researching this, and w- one of the thought exercises that uh, is used to challenge believers is that let's say you jumped in a time machine and you went back to th- the, to Jerusalem in thirty three AD, and you saw there was no Jesus, or you saw Jesus die but not resurrect. So basically, something that fundamentally challenges the the, the Christian faith. So let's say you saw it with your own eyes that Jesus didn't didn't resurrect, that Jesus was just an ordinary man, which then strikes at the heart of the Christian faith. What would you do then? You know, Paul talks about that in his, he said, if Christ is not risen, then Mm -hmm. our faith is in vain. Yep. Uh, That's a, and that's, so so that's something he dealt with. Uh, And would that have been the case? then definitely someone's faith is in vain. Mm-hmm. Um, but according to my belief that where the truth is, part of the truth is captured in the word of God and the word of God reveals that Jesus rose from the dead. I, it, is, uh, it, it is outside the bound, bounds of rationality that mm-hmm. someone could get in a time machine and go back in time and see the, that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, yes, the, I understand the, the logical nature of it, mm-hmm. and Paul did handle that, and so I will. I would voice my agreement with Paul that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then our faith is in vain. Okay. So, are you saying that there's nothing that could uh, change your religious beliefs, or are you saying that you don't know? I'm saying that nothing could change my belief because I don't think I'll ever get to be in a time machine. As fun as that would be. And as an 80s kid, I wanted to be Michael J. Fox to go back in time <laughs> yeah. in a DeLorean. That would be so cool. And get it so was it, uh, uh, was it uh, uh, 88 miles per hour. And um... you're going to see some serious business yeah. if you get to 88 miles per hour. Oh, that's indeed. right. Indeed. No, cool. All right. Well, Matthew, thank you for, thank you for answering 20 questions. Um, so if, you, if you've got a few minutes free, I'd love to just discuss more of those answers with you. Um, sure. And I think you um, you touched on something that I wanted, I wanted to answer before was that um, when you said that if you, um, you like basically if you reason yourself out of your faith, you're then putting reason as the as your god above God. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a fair uh, paraphrasing of your answer? I think so. Uh, yes, we'll we'll go with that. Oh, okay, okay. So I suppose at, at what point then do you, uh, at what point can you then say that you're genuinely questioning your faith? Like, for example, let's say I, I was a Buddhist and I was a, a firm, devout Buddhist. And, you know, so let's say I was a Buddhist as much as devoted as you are to Christianity. And I said that there's no, you know, if I use logic to convince myself out of Buddhism, then I've made logic and reasoning my God instead of, of, uh, of, of the Buddha himself. Now, would that, if, so my question then is, if, if, that's not, if that's not good enough for you, why should it be good enough for the Buddhists? 
kind of thing. Like if, if, if you were to be able to persuade a Buddhist to like using reason and logic to walk, walk away from Buddhism, why couldn't someone use reason and logic to walk like for you to walk away from Christianity? I don't, uh, in, in my belief, I, I hold to a reformed theology mm-hmm. that, uh, there is an un, uh, uh, so what's the, uh, unmerited election that yep. God has elected before the beginning of time, who will and who won't be ultimately saved and okay. no one is could, deserving could, could you of expand, his salvation. Could you expand on that? Yeah. The, uh, Unmerited un- election. Yeah, some call it uh, Calvinism. Mm-hmm. Uh, some call it re- reformed thinking. Yep. But the idea is that through n- no merit of my own, nothing I have done or said or tried to do mm-hmm. will bring me into correct relationship with the Holy One, the, the God of creation. Okay. So my own reasoning didn't do it. It was, it was God's revelation. It was before the beginning of time, God determined that there are what we now call kind of the elect. It's it's meant, it's talked about in uh, Romans nine, mm-hmm. how there are some vessels made for common purposes and some vessels made to glorify and honor the Lord. Okay. And so, uh, I don't believe that a Buddhist person can be reasoned out of his Buddhism, mm-hmm. although God can use the means of a person preaching the word whereby he can then uh, bring salvation to that person through repentance. But uh, the reasoning that so an apologetics, an apologist mm-hmm. is not necessarily trying to give the most evidence or be reasonable with a person to reason them to the faith. Uh, Because then it would follow that someone could be reasoned out of the faith. So my job as an apologist is to preach the word. Does that mean evangelism is useful? By faith, I trust that by preaching the word, by being an apologist in defense of the word of God, as I mentioned in the, in the Romans 10 passage, mm-hmm. that faith comes from hearing the word. So if I'm preaching something about myself or saying, trying to t- turn the focus to myself, uh, that's not, but if I'm preaching the word, if I'm preaching what God revealed in the Bible, then God by those means can bring about salvation that he already knew would happen before the beginning of time. Are you then saying that evangelism is useless? And we just went scramble. Yay. Let me reconnect. And so have you. I appreciate it. So so I've just hit record. So the question I then have is, is, is evangelism useless? Oh, definitely not. Because we don't know who is, who was chosen before time, we must preach the word of God. Because by those means, I've heard uh, I've heard an apologist say, you know, God knows whether my stomach will be empty tonight uh, after the after the meal. Will my stomach be full or empty? And the means He uses to accomplish that is that I eat my meal, or I or I missed a meal. What He know, but God knew. So uh, definitely by the evangelist, 
which I don't necessarily have the gift of evangelism. My wife and I were talking earlier today about evangelism and the gift of it. Uh, there are many gifted evangelists who can preach the word of God and study it. I do feel as an apologist that I want to uh, preach the word that I'm able to, but I don't yeah. have that eloquent gift that many of the uh, common speakers have uh, given over time. I think, uh, you know, Charles Spurgeon and some of those gifted evangelists. Yeah. Uh, but definitely we want to preach the word of God. Uh, that is an important part of the means that God uses to bring about salvation. Just okay, because so I don't fully understand all of that or yeah. can control it. I Part of it is obedience. I've I, To be obedient, he has called us, all Christians, okay. to preach the word in season, out of season. Okay, so so then, what is to say that your biblical theology is more true than the than the Buddhist reincarnation theology, for example? Like, you know, it's um, I suppose you, you or, or, or let, let's say let's say someone who's Islamic who shares that that monotheistic foundation that you do. What's to say that you know, um, when he preaches the Quran? why shouldn't he expect to convert you as much as you expect him to be converted when you preach the word? Uh, he, he may expect that. I don't know. I don't encounter, encounter very many uh, Muslims here in my mm -hmm. part of the world, but I think yep. the, the, the point of your question was not so much whether I would expect that or not, but why is my truth the right truth and not somebody else's? Yes, that that's, that's, that's a good paraphrase. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Eli Ayala is a Christian apologist. I think I've mentioned him to you that's before. The, that's the guy I was going to ask you. What's that? What's that oh, guy's man. name? And you like, would love the, the friendly uh, atheist versus the friendly apologist. And, I mm. mean, he is such a friendly guy. Y'all would have a great time talking. Eli. Uh, it's A Y A L A Ayala. Eli Ayala. His his YouTube channel is Revealed Apologetic. Yes, I'm. I'm looking at looking at it right now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I heard him say something that was very uh, compelling to me about how to describe this is that uh, for the the Christian has a, a system of belief. And so in my system of beliefs, my worldview, the way I view the world as a as a system, the Bible is the revealed word of God. Mm -hmm. God revealed himself in creation and God revealed himself uh, in in Jesus. And so Jesus claimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And by those uh, ultimate presuppositions, mm -hmm. I am able to make sense of the world. Now, my whether I can make sense of it or not doesn't, doesn't determine the truth value of it. But within my system, the, the, the universe makes sense. The world makes sense. The state of humanity makes sense. Uh, logic and reason truth, beauty, information, all these things make sense within that system. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, and it is, a, and it is a claim of exclusivity, exclusivity. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, yeah. and the life. Yes. So it's an exclusive claim to truth. Uh, so for someone who has a different faith, the Buddhist, Muslim, uh, whatever, or even let's say Jehovah's witness. Jehovah's Witness. So I have a great friend. I love talking to him about. He's a Jehovah's Witness, and we 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 talk all the time about uh, mm -hmm. uh, this. 
Um, I, I suppose like the, the way I see it is just because you can come up with with a with with a comprehensive narrative, does that mean that your your comprehensive narrative is is the right one? Let's say uh, let's say a Muslim can create a, a comprehensive uh, narrative on uh, origin, meaning, morality, and destiny, or, mm-hmm. or, 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 or let's say a Mormon. Um, yeah, I'm not not too sure if you're familiar with with the Mormon Mormon theology. It is quite uh, different from your Protestant fundamentalism. But let's say mm-hmm. they make a uh, you know a series of answers on origin, meaning, morality, and destiny, or even like a, a Scientologist. A Scientologist mm-hmm. can easily come up with the the same answer, or you know, the same or a narrative to answer those four things. So how that how then like why do you give primacy? To your particular theology, instead of, um, instead of let's say the Buddhist, the Muslim, the 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 Mormon, the Scientologist, like what what, so, what is it like if we if we evaluated them on their merits, why should why do you think yours would come out on top? Oh, we went scrambled. <laughs> we were doing so good. I've just hit record. So, if we evaluated all those different theologies and religious positions, why do you? And let's say we evaluated them on their merits equally, using the same standard. Why do you believe yours should come out on top? Well, I think that when we do evaluate them all on the same standard and merit, mm-hmm. that the others cannot cannot uh, hold up to the same amount of skepticism or. Uh, skeptical analysis they will have something in their understanding that is of an arbitrary nature or an inconsistency or even a an irrationality at some point and i have not studied all of the world religions comprehensively mm-hmm. but that so, is so I, then aren't you a, aren't you kind of tying your uh tying your uh your colors you, you, you're flagged to the flag post before you've actually made a, a, a rational and informed decision then. Well, in the same way that you wouldn't say there that real money doesn't exist because there are counterfeit. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to test every single counterfeit in the world to know that real money exists. No, but things that so, we, we, we know what real money exists. We know where it comes from. We can go to the factory uh, where you know where 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 the money is produced, there's right. all, in there's the same always... way I can say, I can go to the the truth of Jesus's claims. He validated his claim by coming back to life. Okay, um, this is going to get controversial. Um, what aside from the Bible, what evidence is there that Jesus actually did come back to life? Like if if you if you if, well, if, if you took away the Bible. What then do you have to say that? Yeah, actually, Jesus did come back from the come back from the dead. You know, all good. So, for me, as a, as a presuppositional apologist, mm-hmm. because it is stated in God's revelation, the one who knows everything and is eternally faithful, because He has said that those things happen, there is not a like you said, going back a time machine to go back and see those things. I would I would more question my eyes at that point than I would what God has revealed to be true. Okay, so so let's say a, so, so let's say I was in that time machine with you, 
And I said, hey, Matt, um, I don't see a Jesus either. Are you then questioning my, my eyes as well? From, uh, again, what our eyes are reliable because of what Jesus claimed to be true, that we are created in order to worship God. So the reliability of our eyes makes sense because what Jesus revealed himself to be as the creator. But, oh, but we, makes sense. Okay, but we also know that uh, through the fields of, of uh, neuropsychology that not everything that our eyes see are, are reliable. Um, if, we're, if our brain is somewhat injured, uh, if the chemicals are imbalanced, if we're sleep deprived, um, if we're hyper anxious. Sorry, um, we went scram- we went scrambled again. We right as you were beginning that question. I was getting so warmed up. <laughs> I know I hate that. Yeah. You're killing me. It was gonna be such a good response. <laughs> it was gonna convert him on the spot. You were gonna nail him. <laughs> exactly. All right, so just hit record again. Okay, so we know in the field of neuropsychology that not everything that we see with our eyes uh, exists. So, for example, if 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 my bra- if my brain is injured, um, if the chemicals in my brain are imbalanced, if I'm sleep deprived, if I'm drunk, if I've taken LSD, um, you know, if I have a, some sort of pre-existing condition, you know. Um, it is likely that you'll see people at the corner of your eye or, you know, some sort of uh, apparition or or, or something. So when you say, ah, our eyes can be trusted because of, well, no, we we, we know through science or so rather that not everything that we see can be trusted. So what, what do you say to that? Well, I think I probably spoke too hastily because you're right. Our eyes uh, are generally reliable. Our eyes have general reliability mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of they because they have a purpose because they have uh, they because they were created. Now, as a young Earth creationist, even <laughs> yeah, that that's, that's, we can go into that later on. That's fine, uh, no, no. As, I, I, Matt, Matt. I'll stop you there. Some of my best okay. friends are young Earth creationists, so don't feel bad for saying you're a young Earth creationist. I don't. I don't feel bad myself. I okay. And don't feel bad for saying kind that. of as a badge, but I think okay. some people. See that as a uh, as a negative. I love it. I love the the fire. I sometimes take on tw- not love. I there, I take fire on Twitter a lot of times because oh you're a young Earth creationist. I'm like well, of course I that's the only re- reasonable view. Anyway, the that's answer it. to the question is because I am a young Earth creationist. I believe God did create our eyes without any problem. They Adam and Eve had no problems with their eyes. They were exactly as God designed them, but because of sin, there's a curse. There was a fall, and that curse, that fall, affected all of humanity. And so today, we I would expect that our eyes have problems today. Our brains don't, uh, as you, you were talking about some of the measurements and how we see uh, that people don't always perceive reality correctly because there are mutations, because of the fall, because of there are things are broken, and because things are broken. We know that there was a time when things weren't. I mean, there's an expectation that there was a time when things weren't broken. And we can look forward to it as Christians that there's going to be a time of restoration when God does restore his creation as it was intended. We see that a little bit in Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 65, that there's a restoration of the creation to be what it was intended to be. Okay, but, but I think ha- I got off track a little bit on that's, what the exact question that, was, that, but that, I'm going right. to have to disconnect right. because it went scrambled again. Mm.
I'm back. Hello. So I think your question. I don't know if we want to get, do we want to get back to the recording? No, I'm, I'm still I'm still recording. Uh, it, it turns out that if you leave the meeting and come back, it still continues the recording. So it's um okay, a, a nice nice little bonus. I suppose the question I was going to to jump in with was like, let's say you're sitting next to me. And we both look like, and the laptop's in front of me. Like, how often is it that a, a material and tangible object, like a lap, like two people who are next to each other, looking in the same direction with the same focal length? Um, how, how how many times do you, you know is it that two two rational people with working brains and working eyes looking at the same look at the same thing at the same distance? Like, you know, I'll go, hey Matt, there's a laptop right in front of me. And you go no, Damien. I can't. I can't see that. You know how how often? So so let's say we go back. We go into our time machine to back to Jerusalem, Jerusalem thirty three AD. Um, you know, and I say, um, Matt, I, I cannot see a Jesus anywhere. Like you know, I know what to look for. I'm looking at the tomb that everyone says. You know, well, so, you know, no, no, sorry, I should rephrase that. Um, Matt, I see a Jesus in a tomb, like. Would you then say, "Oh, Damien, look, um, because your eyes are because you're under the curse of sin, um, your eyes aren't quite working properly." Like, do, would you expect that to fly? Um, the answer to your question is no, um, but I hope you don't think that when I say that our eyes are affected by the curse of sin, that a sinner's eye, that a Terrible sinners' eyes are worse than a most a holier person's eyes. No, no, no. But but it, I hope it, you, I hope that I didn't communicate that. No, 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 no. no. But what, what I'm saying <laughs> is is that like how how far do you get to insert the curse of sin as a reason to doubt what we rationally what we can rationally and tangibly and objectively prove? So okay. I so you know so you and I we've gotten a time machine we've gone back to Jerusalem we're walking into the tomb we're walking so Joseph's. And let, let's say there's a sign that says, you know, Joseph of that, Joseph of, Ar of uh, how do you say, uh, Arimathea. Arimathea. That's right. Thank you. You know, and there's a big stone in front of it. And, you know, let's say there's weeping women. And one of those weeping women is named Mary. Um, there's a there's a Roman guard. And let's say we walk up to the Roman guard and we speak English and, you know, we yell at him loudly. And he runs away, all that kind of stuff. We, you know, the, you, you with your big muscles roll the stone away. And I go, geez, man, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. And we walk inside. And there's a crucified Jewish man. So that is a descriptive hypothetical. It is. And, you know, in that, that is a hypothetical that I don't mm -hmm. think that, that my worldview does not accommodate because it would be similar to saying, well, what if, what if we were able to go into a world where there were perpetual motion machine and those mm -hmm. were part of reality? Yep. Well, that's a that's a fundamentally different reality. So mm -hmm. to, to to hypothetically bring that up, it's it's a different reality. It's not the reality that we live in. We live in a reality where God revealed that His Son came back from the dead, and you know I can't explain how He did it. It wasn't through science, uh, scientific means or a biological means. It no. was it was a, a, a miracle. And so when I think the discussion is if there was a time machine that went back in time and we found that there was a, you know, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a different reality. It's, it's like I said, the same as if there was a reality where perpetual motion machines were 
true and could happen. Okay, so, 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 so into the Christian worldview. No, so in short, reality would have to be wrong for the Bible to be wrong. Reality, there, there would have to be an absurdity to for the Bible to be incorrect according to the Christian presuppositions. Yeah. Okay. So, and I think this, uh, I'm, I'm going to tie this back to a question uh, I asked before, and may may not have got communicated across properly. If you so. Your the way I read it is you believe certain things about the world because of what the Bible says. Certain things, yeah, yeah. Yes. We, the, go ahead. That's all right. So let's say, and I think uh, I touched on the on the resurrection of Jesus. If we if you didn't have the Bible, how would you be able, How would you prove that Jesus resurrected? How, how, how would you substantiate that belief if didn't if you didn't have either the church or Jesus? I'm not sure that I have the ability to substantiate that. Okay. So, so then doesn't, doesn't your faith then become because the Bible tells me so? It is. It does have that leaning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And look, I'm not here to, I'm not here to make you feel bad for it. I'm just here to to have a conversation and, and to get you to think. And yeah, I'm, I'm not ashamed of it either. I, I, okay. Because God, because the one who knows everything and is eternally faithful revealed something, and part of that revelation is in the Bible, I'm not apologized to that at all. I, no, I'm okay. proud okay, to no. proclaim because I can't be wrong <laughs> about those things, about those things. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Okay, so when, so when we get to the Bible, um, the Bible's claims of, of Jesus, so when do you think the Gospels were actually written? Uh, within a generation. Okay, what ma- what makes you say that? Just some of the uh, the eyewitness testimony. I don't know if you. I, I, I linked uh, in one of our conversations to a person by the name of Lydia McGrew, Doctor Lydia. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've seen a couple of I've seen a couple of her videos. Uh, the it's the title amazing. the title that intrigued me the most was three false facts about John. Mm. And I. I have to say I was quite underwhelmed because I was mm-hmm. expect I was expecting some sort of you know um, rigid challenge to the to the uh, to the uh, atheist academia, and mm-hmm. like the, and the three false facts that she presented were ah oh, um, something about like the tone of Jesus' voice in John and like very very ephemeral issues. Just so like, well, hold on, this doesn't mm-hmm. really like these aren't things that I ever thought about John in the first place that make me mm-hmm. question the reliability of John. So, you yeah. know, you, you, you make like Liddy McGrew may as, well said, may as well have said, you know, John was spelt J-O-N-H for all I, you know, for all, for all I really yeah. care. You know, it didn't, it didn't get to the heart, to the heart of the issue as to why, um, you know, my, what I, what I would consider my rational skeptical atheism uh, mm-hmm. should be challenged. Um, and look, I haven't gone through her complete works, but just like. Neither I have I. But just I bring that- her up because I heard her on a uh, podcast with uh, Justin Brierley. Unbelievable! I'm not sure if you're familiar with his the, podcast. The name rings a bell. Yep. He, uh, she, uh, Justin Brierley invited Lydia McGrew to be on with Bart Ehrman, who I think is one of the leading, uh, as you mentioned, uh, atheistic scholars or academia. And she was not cowed by his uh, 
assumptions and some mm-hmm. of his his work. So yeah, yeah. again, uh, but when you said, ask me was those it, things, was it, I'm not said, a scholar, and so I don't have a I don't have a strong I could I can't go toe to toe with Bart Ehrman on the the writing or the Greek or the timing or those mm-hmm. things either. Mm-hmm. I don't just don't know them. Yep. Well, I was, I was going to uh, I was going to say that Bart Ehrman actually started off his studies as as a Christian. Mm-hmm. So I've heard that. yeah, yeah. So doesn't yeah. So as I say, like he's not he he hasn't reached the position he has because he's an atheist. He you know I've I've got I've got one of his books and he says that you know he's I think he got to like master's level before he even questioned his own faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not it's not necessarily that Bart Ehrman reached the position he he has because because he's an atheist so it's a bit hard mm-hmm. to, it's a bit i think it's a little bit of a, a non sequitur to say that bart earthman takes an atheistic perspective when he in his own words says that um but yeah but ha- however having said that like how much credence do you give to scholarship in general i'm not sure what, what's what's my uh metric <laughs> when you say how much credence do i give to it do i do i say seven do i say uh, well no okay, okay. like like <laughs> like i obviously what's like, my spectrum okay so let's say oh all right very very good let's say you have uh someone like richard carrier on the who's probably the most prominent uh jesus mythicist uh around around today at the moment um and then you have let's say who was it who was it who was it Let's say that you didn't have William Lane Craig, who is, you know, believes in a in a Bible, you know, divinely inspired, in a Bible divinely inspired by God, who believe that God exists, and we have all these really great reasons for. Um, you know, I suppose the question is, at what point do you um, ignore academics, ignore scholarship? Uh, accept the findings of certain certain scholars, certain academics, certain academic writings. Oh, it went scrambled. You were you were on a roll, <laughs> man. You had a good uh, good thought going there. Let's do it again. No, so I suppose like, is there a reason why you gave me a link to uh, to Lydia mm. rather than to Bart Ehrman? Good question. I think for all of us. There are scholars. I don't, you know, there are for the conspiracy theory. There are people who believe one side of an issue versus another, mm-hmm. and certain people carry a bigger microphone on the platform of ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the the election thing and this and that. There's people who have done research, academics who. Yep study and have video and this and that and the other and other people say well that's not true because i've done research and this and that and the other and the same way with the uh anti-vaxxers the claims of the gospel bart ehrman i have this that and the other i, I this so he has a bias mm-hmm. and in the same way lydia dr lydia mcgroup has a bias mm-hmm. and so this is one of the reasons why i think presuppositional apologetics has the power that it does in that it's ultimately weakest. Everybody has a bias. We everybody has a, a worldview. Everybody has presuppositions. 
So when we bring those presuppositions to the table, how do we analyze those presuppositions for truth? And for me, I, I don't discount scholarship, but in the same way that I don't have, I don't have to yield to a scholar who I think has poor presupposition, who has presuppositions that are arbitrary or inconsistent or irrational in according to the Christian worldview. Okay. But then, I, but, then, oh, but, then to, but then to me, um, you saying that the, the strength of presuppositional is that it, it it overcomes human bias. But then to me, presuppositional is the ultimate in bias that nothing is true unless it lines up with uh with the Bible. Because that is what the Bible claims. The Bible claims to be revel revelation from God. It, it claims to be, but then how, how do you prove that? Is is if, the, is, is the big and question. that's the, the key. If there was something that could prove that claim, that then that thing would be God. Okay, so for example, the Quran is the apparently the literal the literal written words of 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 Allah. Allah, right. So why don't you accept the Quran because it literally comes from a god and it's more recent than it's more recent than the bible. Right. And it and so I believe that is a counterfeit claim. Okay, it, but then, because but then, like, in its in its revelation, in its claims for divinity, it contains arbitrariness and inconsistency. And and I'm sure there were people who will say who will say the same about the bible as well. And I'm happy to discuss those claims of mm -hmm. inconsistencies and arbitrariness within the Bible. That's okay. what my job is as an apologist, to, to try to understand, okay, why would somebody say that? And then also to measure, okay, when someone comes to me with a claim of arbitrariness or in an inconsistency, if that person's worldview can accommodate, can handle, what, what does their worldview say about arbitrariness is arbitrariness a problem but, in their worldview but are some, they standing on a foundation that can bring force against the foundation that i'm standing on okay but then you seem to have a problem with with uh with things being arbitrary but for example mm -hmm. speed speed limits are arbitrary yet they're 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 entirely useful um uh, uh, um electrical standards are entirely arbitrary but we implement we have those safety standards and implement them to ensure that when you turn a light switch on, you, you don't get electrocuted. Um, the the uh, the aviation industry is full of arbitrary standards, and uh, you and I both being in IT, the IT industry is full of arbitrary standards. But we, we need, but their what their strength is is in their utility, and mm -hmm. the fact that and the fact that we can uh, yeah we can we can utilize those concepts to make even better concepts. Where is that in 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 Christian apologetics or in in Christian theology? Like, what can you reasonably prove that has utility using using a presuppositional worldview? Sure. Now, I'm not against arbitrariness in general, as like you said, there there are there are um, well, I'm sure there are reasons for certain speed limits. I'm sure, you know in the, the 80s. 55 miles an hour was determined to be at the top of that bell curve for mm -hmm. fuel efficiency and speed. Yep. Uh, so it's not particularly an arbitrary speed limit. They'd had a reason for why they chose 55 as the maximum 
yep. highway speeds in America. Of course, mm-hmm. I can't do the conversion to kilometers per hour on my head. No, that's just, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit under 100 kilometers an hour, which is basically our, our maximum speed limit anyway. So that's fine. That's fine. So the claim that speed limits are arbitrary, yeah. It's true. It's someone, true. Had, someone had a reason for picking certain standards. I and mean, even in the computer industry, in IT, it wasn't that it was, it wasn't random. It was someone said, hey, this would probably be a good idea. And we went with somebody's idea. But mm-hmm. in relation to Christian apologetics, uh, arbitrariness is uh, a negative for worldview determination. For instance, when someone claims to me about uh, the well-being, the, uh, uh, the secular humanist worldview, mm-hmm who claim that well, well-being is what my morality, my standard of morality. Mm-hmm. Yep. And to me, that is an, that is an arbitrary claim. Ar- it's arbitrary that well-being became the standard of secular humanism because what goes along with what's attached to secular humanism with, uh, but is, but then very, it, very it, strongly it, it, would be evolution. But and it, the it, idea it, of the evolution is a, belief that well, natural no, selection they're too brought they're, about they're two separate things about like and i suppose i'll i'll jump back uh 30 seconds in that is is well-being the is having well-being as the aim of your morality is that to say that secular humanism in itself is completely wrong the christian doesn't have a problem with well-being in and of itself well-being is a good thing because that's part of the Christian worldview, love God and love others. And so I want others to have well-being, but God gets to define what that well-being is. Which then, uh, makes, it, which, which then makes it completely arbitrary. So where, where the battle between you and I is that, you know, I'll use, I'll suppose, secular, secular humanism as a basis for judging that well-being. Whereas I think from your perspective, you're using God's own arbitrary decisions as as well, that as as that standard. Why do you think now we're getting now we're getting into debate? <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know if we want to get we can continue. I, I enjoy no, that's fine, that. That's fine. That's fine. But that's fine. I don't think that God's view of well-being is arbitrary. Then then where does he get his morality from? Well, God created us. So when he says this is what is well-being for you. This is how you should behave. This is how he, since he was, since he is the creator, again, within my worldview, God is the creator. Mm -hmm. God created us with a purpose. He has a purpose for us. So by his being the creator, he knows what's best for us. So when I say, well, it would sure be nice if I could sleep around with everybody, that would, that would create, create the, create the greatest amount of satisfaction for me. God says, no, that actually doesn't create the greatest amount of satisfaction. What creates the greatest amount of satisfaction is for you to be faithful, for you to sacrifice for your wife, for you to love her, for you to give up things, because then you don't worship yourself. If you worship yourself, you actually are hurting yourself. Anyway, so I don't think the claim that God is arbitrary in his definition of well-being, because since he created, he knows what's best for us. But for someone who has who is a secular humanist the reason i think it's arbitrary is because it is it conflicts with another presupposition 
which is generally the evolutionary mandate that genetic code be preserved and sent out with the most fit, uh, not not uh, in a gym fit, but the most reproductive success for uh, the offspring. Okay, but I can tell you as a secular humanist. And we're scrambled. Let me connect one more time and uh, we'll do a closing thing. That's, that sounds good. All right. I'm back. Hopefully uh, the last time. Anyway, so sure. I'll hit a, but Matt, I can tell you as a secular humanist, evolution does not factor at all into any decisions. Like I, I don't wake up and go, hmm, what, what would Charles Darwin do? I, I don't wake up and, you know, if, I, if I'm looking at my daughter crying, I don't go, hmm, Geez, do I look at her reproductive chances in a in a pool of uh, organisms competing for limited resources? No, I you know I, I see my daughter crying; she's hurt. I do the natural thing and and comfort her. Yeah, you know, and I would say that's a very Christian response. <laughs> okay, and, and I would say that yeah, there's lots of things we would say, but anyway, Matt, um, I, I'm going to leave. Uh, I'm going to. Uh, bring bring this uh debate and chat to a close uh matt i i've said it before and i'll say it again matt i greatly appreciate you spending time to talk with to talk with someone like me damien you you changed your the way you interacted with me on twitter has changed my thoughts and i really appreciate you encouraging me to try to be friendlier you helped me to understand the importance of trying to be uh, friendly. So I appreciate this. This has been a great conversation. I'm encouraged. Oh, de- definitely. And, definitely. Uh, I well, definitely ma- want to continue and keep this open because I want, I want you to come to know the Lord. And I want you to consider the pot. <laughs> yeah. Listen. But no, um, and Matt, I, I greatly enjoy, I know we do kind of um, clash quite a bit online, but you know, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, debating with you in public and getting to know you more behind the scenes as well. So, Matt, um, final uh, final two questions. Uh, what are you doing for the rest of the weekend? My daughter and her fiancé are coming over for dinner tonight. Mm-hmm. We're looking forward to sharing a meal with them. Uh, my son is back from college on his spring break, so we're probably going to have a couple of good rounds of ping pong. Uh, oh, nice. And, uh, oh, we're making dinner for my folks tomorrow this is gonna be a big weekend so i'm gonna take my wife made a big dinner for my folks mm-hmm. and we're gonna travel to go see them tomorrow after our time of worship no so. and matthew i'm gonna give you the last word you, you've got 30 seconds go damien thanks for having me on 20 questions i enjoyed getting to converse with you and i want to encourage your listeners to Pay attention to uh, what God is doing. The people who have been apologists in your life are not jerks, I hope. (laughs) And and we want (laughs) what's best for you according to the maker and creator of all life. Thanks again, Damien. I look forward to seeing you online in our future interactions. Matt, you have a great week. Look after yourself. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe and rate it on whatever platform you find it on and share it on your social media. Continue the discussion on the discussion post as well as check out more thought-provoking content 
over at www.tallfriendlyatheistdad.com. If you wish to be a guest, would like me as a guest on your podcast or platform, or even to be a sponsor, head over to the Twitter account for this podcast, at TFADpod. But the best way to support this podcast is to head over to the iTunes bookstore or Google Play and purchase your copy of The Best Religion for the Task at Hand, a response to creationism and why humanism is morally superior to the Bible. You'll be engaged by it. Thank you for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.